Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of 2 Thessalonians. We are currently in chapter 3 at verse 11. Hello, I'm Glendale Tony. I am glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading, why don't we, in verse 11 of chapter 3 of the book of 2 Thessalonians. Paul writes this. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him, so that he will be put to shame. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand, and this is a distinguishing mark in every letter. This is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. So this completes our series of episodes in 2 Thessalonians with the last part of chapter 3. As we have outlined this book, I will remind you that chapter 1 is, is and chapter 2 and chapter 3 are the basic divisions of this particular letter. Now, some letters do not uh, lend themselves uh, quite so easily to chapter divisions as far as uh, getting into the content and the, and the context of the way that uh, the author uh, lays out his, uh, his, his arguments. And yet here in this book, uh, they coordinate quite well together. And uh, chapter one, uh, being uh, waiting with courage uh, in the face of persecution. That's chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. And then watching with composure because of the prophecy involved uh, and all the prophetic scriptures that come to bear that are uh, causing some difficulties and some questions uh, and problems because of certain people that have uh, uh, come into this congregation with certain ideas about prophecy and and so uh, Paul has some uh, encouragements uh, for the, these people in chapter 2. Then chapter 3, at least verses 1 through 15, talks about working with commitment. And this has to do with their practice as a congregation and as individuals being responsible uh, in that congregation to one another and all that that means. So that uh, this uh, commitment with, uh, that is this working with commitment, uh, verses 1 through 15, has to do with confidence, uh, verses 1 through 5, that's what Paul has in the Lord on their behalf. Then he gives certain commands, verses 6 through 10, and we'll be referring to some of that here as we go through uh, what we read uh, today. And uh, and then he gives this confrontation, and that is verses 11 through 13. Later on in verse 
14 has to do with the consequences of not obeying this command. And then a certain caution in verse 15. After that, uh, there is, of course, the signature page, or that is uh, the uh, last uh, um, uh, greeting or the last uh, uh, words that Paul has to write, and some of those uh, are are written by himself, by his own hand. And we'll get to that here in a moment or two. But right now, we're going to talk about this confrontation. And uh, in this confrontation, the busybodies are exhorted, and the breadwinners are encouraged. Uh, the exhortation takes place in verses 11 and 12, and the breadwinners are encouraged in verse 13. So that gives you an idea of how we have looked at this in uh, some sort of a grid, at least, of the way that Paul has laid out his flow of thought. And so verse 11 uh, seems almost as if it's in the middle of a paragraph, which it is, but it seems to kind of shift uh, some some parts of uh, his focus. And that is verse 11. He says, for we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life. See, this can be referred back to verse 6 of chapter 3. Because in verse 6, he says, Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you received from us. So he brought up the subject of this unruly life that certain ones may be practicing. And uh, here it expands. In other words, he brings up the subject as if this might be the case. And then verse 11, he expands it to some among you. And so uh, he, he kind of introduces the uh, the problem uh, as, a, as a singular kind of a problem. And then he expands the application to the fact that he actually knows that there are a plural number of people uh, that uh, may be guilty of this, this uh, leading an unruly life. And, and he's not just talking about the idea that, uh, that they disrupt the, the uh, uh, communion service or that, that they, they don't know how to behave uh, during the preaching. Uh, that's not necessarily what Paul is getting at here, but it might include that. But uh, uh, what he's getting at here is the fact that there were those uh, free loafers, <laughs> those freeloaders that were trying to get... Uh, uh, get money from the church by just depending upon the church rather than uh, doing something else that might be responsible for their own welfare, for their own support, and working to do so. And Paul calls that unruly. And in this case, in verse 11, he says that they're leading an undisciplined life. It's basically the same word that Paul is saying, and it's among you. The, these people are now in this congregation, and they are are doing so, at least they're a plural number and uh, uh, by now, and and they seem to have some sort of an influence over the the kind of uh, tenor in the in the body in the congregation. The the mood uh, seems to be affected by these uh, undisciplined people. And so Paul wants to address this and wants to peg this down in this paragraph. And he says, uh, doing no work at all. Because why? Because he said that even in verse 10, if you go back the verse uh, previous, he says, for even 
when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. So they aren't, uh, they, these people are not supposed to be supported by the church because they are not needy people. They are not the poor people in the, in the true sense of the word. They're just lazy and uh, they're not supporting themselves and that yet they are expecting the church to support them. Uh, it's interesting that Proverbs 10, 26 says, like vinegar to the teeth is smoke to the eyes, and so is the lazy one to those who send him. And uh, Proverbs 24, verses 30 through 34 says, I passed by the field of the sluggard and by the vineyard of the man lacking sense, uh, and behold, it was completely overgrown with thistles. Its surface was covered with nettles, and its stone wall was broken down. When I saw, I reflected upon it, I looked and received instruction. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Then your poverty will come as a robber and your want like an armed man. So uh, in the Proverbs, it uh, uh, explains that certain people reap the consequences of their own action, or in this case, their own inaction. If they fail to work the properly, and earn their own keep, so to speak, then uh, then this is the consequence. They will not prosper. They will not eat. And so Paul lays this down as a rule for the churches. And uh, in fact, uh, he says they do no work at all, and uh, but acting like busybodies. So that if you were to just be a casual observer, you might uh, you might say, then then looking at these people, they might actually be busy. They may not be lazy in the classical understanding of the word, just sitting around on the couch and twiddling their thumbs or watching TV. But uh, but uh, these these are actually they they present themselves as if they're doing ministry and they may go to Bible study after Bible study or go visit people or or uh, talk to people and have conversations so they may actually be quite busy but they're nothing more than what Paul calls busy bodies they're just moving around and uh, they're giving all the appearance of doing something but they're not actually involved in ministry they just want the church to support them so that they don't have to work and in fact uh, Paul says that to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5 verse 13 it says at the same time they also learn to be idle uh, as they go around from house to house and not merely idle but also gossips and busybodies talking about things not proper to mention so they look busy uh, they act like they have things to do but they're actually just busybodies and they're they're probably involved in other things that like go- uh, gossiping and uh, saying things and telling stories that just are not proper. And um, now this is not to be confused with the fact that those who actually do the ministry uh, should be esteemed very highly. He says that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 13, to esteem them highly because of their work. And so, uh, so this is a fine line to draw, you might say, but Paul is confident that this congregation can draw that line and tell the difference between those who truly are working for the Lord in their midst and those who truly do deserve the support of the church and the financial offerings of the church and those who do not deserve it because they are just 
acting like busybodies, and they're not doing any work at all. And so uh, in verse 12 says, now such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. You see, Paul himself said so in verse 8 about himself. He gave himself as a model, as an example. He says, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it, but with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have a right to this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. So there is this case where Paul says, I I and Barnabas or whoever was with him, I deserved your support, but I, I went into your congregation with, with a sort of an exceptional rule, and that rule was I'm going to work, support myself, and not, uh, not put myself in a, in a situation where they are supporting me. Now, that doesn't mean that Paul doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't accept an invitation out for a meal once in a while, but what he's saying is I supported myself myself. I purchased my own food, and, and uh, I didn't come into your congregation just expecting you to support me. I wanted to live a life to, uh, to be an example to you, to model what it was like for believers to work for a living and earn a wage for a living and not live off the goodness of heart of the rest of the people in the church. So that's what Paul is, is getting at here in this last part of chapter 3. We'll be back right after this short interlude. still in these uh, verses in the last part of chapter 3 of the book of 2 Thessalonians. And uh, Paul has just said, we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary of doing good. And uh, what's interesting is to work in quiet fashion. This is not the first time that Paul has brought up this issue of working in order to gain a living for yourselves and not just foist yourself uh, upon the congregation to support you just because you don't want to work. And uh, and so it, this isn't the first time. In fact, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, Paul said this to them then, several months uh, before this uh, paragraph. He said, 
He said, and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and attend to your own business and work with your hands, just as we commanded you, so that you will behave properly toward outsiders and not be in any need. So this has to do with reputation. It has to do with with uh, reputation of those who don't know Jesus. And uh, so, so your work ethic is a testimony for those who don't know Jesus yet, who have not believed upon him for salvation. And um, so you shouldn't let your laziness uh, get in the way. In other words, go to work establish a job, earn money, support yourself, and you will be a better testimony for those who are outside. Besides uh, that, you will be uh, relieving your brothers and sisters in the church from having to support you when you don't need support. Now, we know that uh, the Bible doesn't really contradict itself, but it does have some complementary truths and complementary uh, exhortations. In other words, uh, James deals with exactly the opposite kind of a problem because James has to say in chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, if a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and yet do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that. So uh, James is dealing with a different problem. The different problem is there were believers in that congregation or in in those group of uh, believers that James is addressing, and they they were ignoring the needs of their brothers and sisters. They truly were needing some support and some meals. They needed food and clothing, and they were ignoring the need. And yet, uh, in this case, these are not needy people. These are just lazy people. So that's the difference. And so these things balance out each other because, why? Because they are dressing opposite problems. It's almost as if James is and Paul isn't trying to argue. They're not trying to argue with each other uh, in facing each other down and in their differences of opinion. No, they are actually uh, working and speaking back to back. Uh, that would be my best illustration. They're speaking back to back to different and opposite problems in the churches, and um, they actually do complement each other and balance out each other. And so so that's what we're getting at here. Um, and so, in fact, uh, Galatians, uh, Paul himself even says, uh, uh, they only asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I also was eager to do. That's Galatians chapter 2, verse 10. And uh, uh, John even says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 17, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Again, these verses address an opposite problem in the churches. And I think that personally that that's a beautiful thing about the scriptures is it doesn't leave other problems unaddressed just because one problem exists. And so uh, the opposite may be the truth and true in uh, in other congregations as it is here in the Thessalonian uh, group of people. It says, but as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. You see, because that is in essence, uh, this is the encouragement uh, to the to the breadwinners. And that is, that's what happens in this kind of a situation. And uh, it's almost uh, what you might call a, 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 this is against uh, socialism 
because you see that's what happens in socialism is when everybody is equal and everyone gets gets a share in everything else what happens is that uh, the per- people who are actually working hard and earning the the money they they are liable to get discouraged and so Paul wants to encourage the the breadwinners by saying if you practice correctly and uh, don't just leave this like it is and, um, and that if you go back to what I gave you as an as a rule that if you don't work then you don't eat uh, then these people aren't in true need at all and so the workers that are actually producing the work and giving the giving that uh, supports the church and supports those who actually are in need then you see uh, Paul wants them to be encouraged. He doesn't want them to kind of roll over and go, well, these other people, they're, they're getting by with nothing. And uh, oh, why should I work so hard? And so this, these are realities. And Paul addresses these realities in very forthright uh, terms. And so he says in verse 14, if anyone does not obey our instruction, so now he gets down to the warning, so to speak. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person. This is a congregational responsibility. And that is, this is something Paul has exhorted, he's commanded, and uh, they are to carry out a certain kind of behavior toward the people that are disobedient. And, and so he says, if uh, take special note of that person. In other words, uh, don't just let these, uh, these people get by with this. I've exhorted them here, but don't let them just get, get away with it. Don't become an enabler of their irresponsibility and their immaturity. Uh, in other words, uh, write their names down take uh, and, and take notice of them and do not associate with them. You shouldn't uh, you shouldn't associate with them as friends or as as uh, um, in social situations or in meals or anything else so that uh, he will be put to shame. There is a purpose of this discipline, and that is shame, by the way. It seems as though we have a society that, that is all against uh, shaming anybody. Well, we should handle it with very, very much care and very, very precise uh, kind of uh, motives and very... Uh, 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 skillful in the way that it's handled, but it it seems as though Paul says that is the purpose of church discipline is to actually bring shame to activity that should be shameful, and they're not shamed by their own actions, and so and so that's part of the discipline there. In verse fifteen, it says, "Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother." You see, and so Paul, even in this next sentence, balances things out. Why? because I believe Paul knows people and he knows people well enough to to, uh, to know that uh, there will be those in the congregation at Thessalonica that uh, oh yeah okay we we won't associate with them and in fact in fact uh, I don't even think they're actually saved and they're not born again and uh, we're going to treat them as tools of the devil and and that's exactly what Paul doesn't want and he says do not regard them as an enemy but admonish him as a brother. This should be a compassionate work of God among them. And so there should be an admonishment. And the, the word admonishment is, uh, is actually a word that means bring truth to the surface and bring it out. It doesn't necessarily uh, have uh, uh, 
uh, have any uh, stronger or any less of a wor- of a of an understanding there. It just means that uh, they are to be admonished and uh, to be brought to some truth to to be brought out. And um, so, so he says then. Um, do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So treat him as part of the family. Don't disown him completely. Just stop uh, uh, socializing with him for a while and tell him why you're not socializing with him until he gets a job and earns his own money. And uh, so then Paul actually finishes this letter this way. And uh, and he says then, uh, verse 16, he says, now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. So Paul doesn't want this to be uh, something that's going to grate on those who are uh, uh, breadwinners and those who are actually responsible and mature. But uh, uh, then on the other hand, he doesn't want those who are objects of this discipline to stray away and rebel against the discipline. He wants them to cooperate with the very things he instructed the congregation to do. And so when they do that, then there should be peace, not conflict. And uh, now the Lord of peace himself continually to grant you peace in every circumstance. And notice this little phrase here, the Lord be with you all. So Paul isn't trying to make divisions in the body between the lazy people and the working people. He's trying to bring them together by the right kinds of exhortation, the right kinds of discipline. And um, by the way, there are all sorts of uh, church disciplines that are itemized in various locations. Um, Some disciplines are rather uh, mild, you might say, uh, like Romans 16, 17, to keep your eye on them and uh, and turn away from them. Uh, That's sort of similar to the the, uh, discipline here. There are those that uh, will bear their own judgment. Uh, Those are the legalists in uh, Galatians chapter 5, verses 7 through 12. Um, In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 6, they're exhorted to withdraw from a problem problem brothers, and others uh, we are to avoid in 2 Timothy chapter 3. There are deceivers that must be silenced and reprove them severely. And that's Titus chapter 1, verses 10 through 14. And in Titus chapter 3, he talks about those who are factious, who make divisions in the churches. And he says, you are to reject them after the first and second warning. Uh, There are those who are called antichrists. And he says, uh, John says in 1 John 4, and in 2 John uh, verses uh, 7 through 11, he says, do not receive these people that are enemies of Christ and do not give them a greeting even as if to associate with them in any way. There is an authoritarian in 3 John verses uh, 9 through 11. And uh, John says there with this authoritarian person, he says, I will call attention to his deeds publicly. And then there is this general apostasy 
apostasy that is happening in the churches. In Jude uh, verses 3 through 23, he says to, to build yourselves up in the faith, to be merciful to some, and yet to snatch others from the fire. And so Paul uh, gives us all sorts of uh, tools, you might say, to discipline all sorts of behaviors in the churches that need to be corrected or at least need to be uh, uh, seen after. And verse 17, Paul finally uh, concludes his uh, letter, uh, his second letter to the Thessalonians by saying, I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember that there were those who were writing uh, evidently um, uh, uh, forgeries. And uh, Paul uh, wrote this at the end of many of his, of his letters uh, of uh, saying, I write this with my own hand. He did that in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 21. He did it in Galatians chapter 6, verse 11. He, he did it again in Colossians chapter 4, verse 18. And here in 2 Thessalonians, he said it in chapter 3, verse 17. In Philemon, verse 19, he says, I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will repay it, not to mention that you owe me, uh, owe to me even yourself as well. So Paul wrote his own signature on his own signature page so that people were accustomed to seeing exactly what his handwriting was like and to be able to say the difference between a forgery and a real letter from Paul. And Paul finally says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. That is exactly what we depend upon, is the grace of God, the mercy of God. It is not us trying to work our way into heaven or to earn eternal life. It is the gift of God to, that gives us the grace of eternal life, the gift of eternal life. It is his grace that causes us to grow in him to be mature believers and to uh, carry out our responsibilities in the community, in the churches. And so uh, may the Lord bless his word today. Father, thank you so much for all that you do and what you do with us as we walk with you, as we serve you, as we understand what your word is. And we just trust in you to give us the grace to do what needs to be done to face our responsibilities. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock. <laughs>